Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Hey, Amanda. I love this. So, uh, yeah, here we are. I think we're just calling this a coach chat. It's a coach chat. It's a coach chat. Kit, I'm like, okay, I'm here. Kit Yoon is here. And we both coach trained in the same school and started podcasts around the same time. We're coming up on a year, Kit. Aren't we? We, or did- we, we are. We, yes, we are. And we should also say that we had the same, we were in the same group with the same instructor. Yeah. Yeah. So we've gone through a lot together. We have. We met in person once. We did. Oh my and that was Isn't that weird? Because I feel like I know you so much better than that. Like, I feel like I've met you more than that. Because we do. Because we, we, we also listen to each other's podcasts. Well, that's what I was going to say is I think you reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And I was like, wait, but I want you on my podcast too. And so, <laughs> today, so, so today was kind of like, well, let's just chat and introduce our, each other to our audiences. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I think I you should it. introduce yourself first. Okay. I am Amanda Kingsley. I am in Western Massachusetts. So a lot of people think Massachusetts, ooh, Boston but I'm actually in the hills. I'm in the woods, but I live in the cutest little village ever where I raised my three amazing kids and I'm married to my high school sweetheart. And yeah, life is good out here. And so I coach, um, trained with Kit in the life coach school, but I help people process their abortions. That is my, that's my main shindig over here. And it's amazing and I love it. And we'll talk more about it, I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, so who are you? (laughs) Who am I? I am Kit Yoon. I live right now in Columbus, Ohio. But I did live in Massachusetts for a good 11, 12 years. In my early, early days in the U.S., I grew up in Thailand, went to schools in Massachusetts um, near Boston. Yeah. And for a long time, I was surprised that people, well, actually people who don't live in Massachusetts would think of Boston as the state. Right? Like, it's so funny. I, mean, like, I will mention <laughs> Massachusetts and they go, what, what is that? And I said, it's where Boston is. Oh. So, but you do know what Massachusetts is. And um, so we live, I live here in Columbus with my husband, who actually I met always in- forget you're in Ohio. It like doesn't make sense in my brain for some reason. Where should I live, Amanda? I don't know. I feel like you're supposed to be, it was it's probably just my ego talking, but I feel like you're supposed to be in New England somewhere. Hmm. I don't, it's just going to sound really crazy, but I feel like you're supposed to be in like New Hampshire and Portland or. I did live in Maine. Okay. After Massachusetts. Yeah. So Port Portsmouth, New Hampshire is what I was thinking. And then Portland, Maine was the other one up in the running. So you're yeah. right. So it's Massachusetts, Maine, so California for another 10 plus years. 
Wow. And then, and then here I am in the middle of the country, just, just so I get all of it. Right. I haven't yeah. done the South, so we'll see. We have um, kids the same age. Are your, have your teens been, you have twins? I have twins and they're 16 and a half. And they've been in Ohio the whole time or they've been in some of these moves with you? They moved here. We moved here when they were six. Okay. So they've pretty much done their schooling in Ohio. So yeah. they are indeed Buckeyes, Ohioans, whatever you call them. Oh my gosh. But I don't think if you ask them, it would be interesting. I think they would say they're Californians. But oh my gosh. I know. You know. Huh. Silly my children. daughter, 16 year old, mm -hmm. um, told me yesterday, or she, she was with her friend and they were making plans to move to California together. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like that feels really soon. I, I mean, not that there were official plans, but I was like, all right. Yeah. We're coming to that age of we, mothering where our kids are going to move away. Yeah. We'll What's be talking. Happening? We'll, be, we'll be talking a lot more. Um, so I am a licensed acupuncturist and a licensed or certified coach. And I pretty much at the end of the day, I help people feel better. And I help people feel better physically. I help them feel better emotionally. And right now, what I really focus on is I help people use their own intuition to help themselves feel better. And I know that sounds super vague, yeah. <laughs> but when you can really touch base with that intuition, you can pretty much do anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I am. I love it. You've been doing acupuncture for a long time? I have. I started when I was, well, I graduated in 2002. Um, and then since then, I've had a private practice um, in both in California and in Ohio. And somewhere in between, like, halfway through our Ohio time, we've been here 10 years, I, um, I decided to further study and really get some tools under my belt because I was getting frustrated because people would get better physically but they weren't better emotionally mm. and I knew that there was something else I was missing and one day I was treating a patient who was um, dealing with a lot of different things and she said that she has just come to me from a hypnotherapist and I was totally intrigued and she told me all about you know what's what's well, how it's helping her and and then I came home to my husband and told him about it and he told me his own story he's a physician and how hypnotherapy was really helpful for him during a an OB rotation obstetrics mm. when one of his teachers who's also a doctor sort of taught them a version of hypnosis so that the patients can be calm Wow. And, and the doctors themselves can be calm and in a, you know, in, in a place of healing during this, you know, can be a dramatic um, time in, in a medical setting, even though it's such a happy, it can be such a, an exciting and happy situation. Um, it's, it's good to have some skills and some tools to calm everybody down. Yeah with just the right tone and the right wording, you know, because yeah. the subconscious, our mind, both conscious and subconscious are so powerful. And we just hardly ever tap into 
this wealth of healing potential, really. And I think that you and I really went into this coaching practice or actually the coaching school, knowing that there's something there and didn't really know until we were done and just kind of blew our own minds. Yeah. So you're doing this physical healing with people and then it was the hypno, the introduction to hypnotherapy that, that pulled you into the mind. Hugely. Wow. So cool. And then I really yeah. saw the potential of how much the mind can heal. And all these things started to make sense to me, yeah. right? Like placebo effect. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it just a placebo effect or is it really the mind healing the body when everything gets aligned? Yeah. Right. So I a love, lot of, I feel like that's with like, I don't even kind of don't even want to say it cause it sounds silly compared to you coming from acupuncture, but that's my own judgment of myself. I was with a network marketing company with medicinal mushrooms, five element supplements. So we mm -hmm. were doing like five element healing. And that's when I was introduced to this concept of like the connection between the emotions and the organs and like the senses and all this stuff. So I was helping people through these supplements, mm. but then what I loved like the most from that work was the coaching part of watching people's minds transform. So it was like kind of a similar thing where like, there was this physical element, but then there was also this emotional element. And then I was like, wait a second, I need to like go deeper into both of these so I can pull them together. That is the secret of the universe. Yeah. I think is there's no one thing that can help everything. I think once you realize that you, you do need to combine all the tools that we have yeah even if it's just within ourselves that's why i really like that mind body intuition combination because when you want to feel whole you can't just feel whole by just focusing on one thing right you may feel great physically but you can't feel great physically if your mind is not in the same place I actually was coaching somebody today and she was talking about wanting to lose 10 pounds. And I said, why, why is that a goal? What will that make you feel? How will that make you feel? And she said, it will make me feel confident, right? Which you and I know that confident is coming from a thought, right? You can't physically feel confident without thinking that you're confident. So I asked her, if she could feel confident without losing 10 pounds, if there were no mirrors, if there's, if she can't see herself, if she just feels good in her body, yeah. can she feel confident right now? She says, yeah, I feel that right now. I feel good. I'm healthy. All my clothes fit, but I feel like I need to lose 10 more pounds to feel, mm. you know, which, I was just trying to show her that you can feel anything now just from how you think, how you're using your, your mind, right? So what if 
you can combine those those pillars, I call them, the mind, the body, the intuition. And your intuition is always wise and peaceful and knowing. And then your body, if it's healthy and it feels good because you take good care of it, then it's really just the mind that you need to manage and reframe, right? If the intuition and the body are doing great, then it kind of is just your mind that's yeah. out of whack, right? That you can I just... used to, you knew I used to co-coach with another, I think you knew mm -hmm. that, another yeah. coach who um, is a feng shui expert. Mm -hmm. We used to say the four pillars were mind, body, spirit, and space. So for you, like the intuition, that was a spirit part for us. Mm. And then we, the space part was really important because sometimes people would be like, I notice even myself, I'll, Am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Do you it. swear on my podcast. Let's go. <laughs> it will be like losing their shit, thinking like everything was going wrong. Like everything's going wrong. And this happens to me too. And then I'll be like, oh, I just got to pick up the clutter. Mm. It's time to like rearrange that room or I've outgrown the way I set up that space. So I love that you talk about the pillars too, because that was our thing was like, those are the four pillars, mind, body, spirit, and space. And the trick is to check in on a daily basis or more if you need to, which of my pillars need strengthening, like, or attention. It's not even necessarily mm. strengthening. Sometimes it is, but like, which of my pillars needs attention? And you never know the answer. It's like, that's the intuition part. Yeah. Is like, I don't know what the answer is going to be until I ask the question right now. So the space, you mean the physical space? Literally like you, physical where you space. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. okay. So this makes sense because since I was in high school and I was lucky, I was in a boarding school and I had my own room and whenever I needed to study, I needed to clean my room before I could study. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know why, but I would, it was, it was, um, it was imperative. Otherwise yeah. I couldn't study. Totally. So I just thought that that was just a strange little habit I had. Right. And then I went to, um, in college, I didn't, it was complicated. Still, I needed my space to be clear and um, tidy but I started studying in coffee shops. Huh. So why do you think that works for me? Like even if it's not my own space that has to be neat and tidy before I could focus, like why do you think a place like a <laughs> coffee shop that's completely out of my control and tends to be loud, Yeah. but somehow I can focus? Well, the coach in me says, I have guesses, but why do you think? Because the answer is going to be different for everybody. Mm. Well, I say it's because I don't have to worry about what's around me, yeah. that I can focus on what I'm here to do. Yeah. Like I'm already out of control. And I actually enjoy the energy of a coffee shop. That's so what that... I was thinking personally, but the other makes sense too. I was like, I think for you, that energy probably just, it'll, it, the thing is like, we don't, it's different for everyone. What's going to unlock those doors of creativity mm. and like, 
the downloads that we need to get to our next step, to get to our next goal, to get to our next level. And that, that's why it's like, that's why I just ask you, like, what do you think it was? Because I could make lots of guesses, but like, for some reason, that was the space you needed to get the job done. And how cool is that, that you could figure that out, but you could recommend that to four other people and it would only work for one of them. True. Which is why, or none of them, mm-hmm. which is why we got to come back to the intuition. Yeah, for real. Because there are days mm-hmm. when my, like, instinctively, I want to work at home. And then, of course, I need to clean the space. And then there's some days when it's like, I need to get out. I need yeah. to be around yeah. people. And that's how I'm going to focus best. So, yeah, I think it's... I tell my clients all the time, um, you know, when we're talking about intuition, is like, you can't assume that you know the answer because it's like what's good for you or what you should do or what has worked in the past. It's like you got to ask the question every single time and wait for the answer to come. And I always use chocolate cake as an example. I'm like, some days you ask yourself, like, should I eat this chocolate cake? And the answer is going to be yes. And some days it's going to be no. And just because it was yes yesterday doesn't mean it's going to be yes today. (laughs) Like, you got to get really good at trusting that it's okay that the answer changes. It's like what your mind, body, and spirit need in that moment at that time. Is it a coffee shop or is it a clean office? Is it a piece of chocolate cake or is it a kale salad? <laughs> okay, so let's stay with a chocolate cake because I love it, right? So how can one distinguish between a want from their body and their intuition and a want from their mind. Mm. Yeah, I don't know that that becomes clear without more practice, because then you start to fine tune and you look back and you're like, you know, it really was telling me not to eat the chocolate cake, but I didn't want to listen. And I think sometimes retrospect mm-hmm. is your greatest teacher. And you can look back and go, like, I noticed this myself um, with social media posts. Really, Mm -hmm. like I noticed that a lot. Like I'll be writing something or posting something and I'll hear a little voice that says, don't do that or explain Mm -hmm. that in a different way. And I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to hit post. Inevitably, inevitably, did I say that right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Someone will comment about the very thing that my intuition was like, you got to pay attention to that, Amanda. And then, so it's like retrospect where I'm like, Ugh, I totally felt that in my body. I knew like I wasn't knew supposed to do that, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just do, right? So sometimes you do eat the chocolate cake and then it's a little bit of retrospect where you're like, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, I heard that little voice that said, yeah, mm-hmm. that's the, that's your want speaking, not your knowing. So I, I don't was... think there is a clear answer. I don't know. What do you think? Well, you just reminded me of a podcast that you did with a psychologist that talked about shame. Yes. Sean Horn. Yes. Uh And so I'm not sure if this is really, we're going from chocolate cake to shame, but actually they're related. Oh yeah. They're totally related. Right. Because if retrospectively you go, wow, why did I do that? And Mm -hmm. you shame yourself for doing it then what Sean, the doctor, calls it toxic shame, 
mm-hmm. versus helpful shame. What did she call mm. it? I don't so remember. She, I think it was episode 10, which is like 30 episodes ago. Yeah. So there are two types of shame. <laughs> one is helpful and one yeah. is not. And I think that's when we have to consciously decide yeah. which shame to hold on to, or you don't have to hold on to any shame, but which shame to process, right? Because yeah. if that chocolate cake became a toxic shame, then that's going to drive you to do more shameful things that you'll end up doing more of, which actually works with the thought model that you and I use in our coaching. Because the more you repeat something, the more you give yourself evidence. And then the more you start believing that that's what who you are and that's what you do. You were saying something toward the beginning of this podcast and all I kept hearing was the question like, what am I making it mean? Mm-hmm. And this comes into play here for me too. So like, let's say you eat the chocolate cake or honestly, in the case of my clients, you get the abortion and mm-hmm. then you realize you didn't really want the abortion. That was your mother's voice or your partner's voice or your, you know, best friend's voice you followed that wasn't your knowing, right? Mm-hmm. So then it steps into this question of what what am I making it mean and what do I want to make it mean so like maybe I am feeling that shame but what am I making what am I making it mean that my life is doomed from now out right or that that was an opportunity for me to learn something really important about myself and my future um how do you help somebody get through that kind of uh very traumatic, obviously, very deep rooted feelings that some people carry on for the rest of their life. How, how do you help them get through that? Yeah, and it's not traumatic for everyone, but it mm. is for most of the people who come to me, mm. right? They're not necessarily looking for coaching unless they're processing their own confusion or guilt or shame or grief. Um, and the answer probably just like your coaching is that it's different for everyone. Mm. It's different for everyone. And so for some people, it's, that wasn't the choice I wish mm. I had made. What am I going to, how am I going to live into that? Right. How mm. am I going to honor that piece of my story? For some people, it's how am I going to honor that pregnancy or even that baby? Like, I really believe this work that I'm doing is like in honor of her. Like, she's not here. I never had to change her diapers or feed her or like add a fourth kid to the family, but she's here all the time in this work, right? So I honor her. I honor that experience. So yeah, I mean, I didn't really answer your question because the answer is different for everyone. Sometimes it's just... I'm going to, a big piece of it is I'm going to have my own back, Mm -hmm. right? Like I made this choice and now I'm going to have my own back. What does that look like? What is that? What is that feeling or how, how can someone have their own back consistently? Mm. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. I I work with my clients through that too. And I think that just comes down to, trusting, learning to trust. 
and that is learning to trust. Yeah. I do think mind, body and intuition, you know? Yeah. And I think there's two pieces for me. The first, the first thing that came up before you said trust, which I was like, Oh, she's totally right. Trust is the second piece is love. Mm. So like more often than not in the work that I do, it's that the gift, the blessing, the takeaway from an abortion experience is self-love, is to learn to love yourself, even if, love yourself for having made a really powerful, amazing decision, even though it's confusing. Mm -hmm. I mean, as for me, like, I have no regrets about my abortion at all, not even a single one, like nothing. But it was still really hard. <laughs> it was still Absolutely. really sad. So there's this piece about self-love and just loving myself no matter what. And I think that is one of the greatest gifts that these, I'm going to call them abortion babies, give to people, women mostly, um, is love. How do I love myself and how do I love other people? after an experience like this like what can i learn from this experience that brings more love into my life and then you said trust and trust is the other one and that's like i love that i'm like comparing chocolate cake to an abortion but right it's like i ate the chocolate cake and now i wish i hadn't so i'm going to choose self-love but i'm also going to trust and have some faith that there was a reason that that time I wasn't able to say yes or no. There was one more, like one more little way I needed to learn it or mm. one more little way I was, maybe I wasn't supposed to eat the chocolate cake for me, but I was supposed to eat it for my daughter who I was eating it with. Like, I don't know. So there's like a trust and a faith that we don't have to know all the reasons. But if it happened, it was kind of meant to happen. And we get to trust that. One of the best things I learned from our coaching program was that the, the facts versus story um, yeah. tool. Totally, yeah. And how, yes, the chocolate cake has been eaten. Mm -hmm. What is the story you want to tell about it? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. It's in your belly. Mm -hmm. So can't go back. And the more you self-punish, the more you beat yourself up about it, the t more terrible that story is going to be. And the more, the less self-love you'll have for yourself. Right. So yeah. a lot of times we just, we, we forget to check the facts. Absolutely. And also what kind of story do you want to write about it? Um, I, I have this thing with self-love and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And that is, it sounds so selfish, right? Mm. I know that's my thought. Mm. And maybe it's also because English is not my first language. Sometimes I have a, a hard time distinguishing like, am I not getting it because mm -hmm. I'm coming at it from a different angle? Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of people I work with, they are so focused on everyone else. And the last person they focus on is themselves. And so loving, they know how to do it for other people. They 
love everybody, right? They take care of everybody else. And then when we mention self-love, they're like, oh yeah, there's that. No, no, like it's a chore. I just did, a, I, I, most of my clients, well, that's not true. It actually is about half and half right now. About half my clients are abortion and half are just general life coaching. And I just didn't, um, I just did a group call with those clients and we talked about like self-care, self-maintenance. And then I was like, can we please just call it self-nourishment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds so much nicer. And like, mm-hmm. that's really what you're doing. And self-nourishment is very much like self-love to me. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yes, yeah, self-care does sound kind of selfish. Because of the way we've been trained to think about it. Mm-hmm. It's like taking that bubble bath instead of taking your kid to the park or whatever, like whatever the way we've been taught to think about it. One of my favorite exercises that I do, I'll tell you what it is doing it with clients. There's so much more depth, but is to just draw a circle in the middle of a paper and then kind of write down like what does self care, self nourishment, self love look like? What does Mm -hmm. self-care look like? Mm -hmm. What does love look like in your life? Mm. What does that result in? Mm -hmm. It's just that bubble is you. And then you go one more circle around that. And what is that? How does that affect your relationship with your intimate partner? Mm. So when I love myself, nourish myself, how does that affect my relationship with my intimate partner? And then when you start writing all those things down, you're like, oh, this isn't selfish at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I'm taking the actions of loving myself and nourishing myself, my marriage or my partnership is so much better. Mm -hmm. And then you go one more bubble out and you're like, if I live in a place of self-love and self-nourishment and now my marriage is better, what does my relationship look with my family and my children? And you're like, oh my goodness, it's so not selfish to choose to love and take care of myself. Because when you watch it ripple out like that, depending on the client, I'll go all the way out to like the world, right? My community, my own clients, the world. But if you keep watching that ripple, you can see, and I learned this way of doing it and I've adapted it a lot but from a different coach her name was Maggie Winchell she did a version of this exercise with me and I was just like mind blown to see it on the paper rippling out and so it's such a visual of how self-love is so far from selfish it is like the complete opposite it's the complete opposite of being selfish yeah I I love that that exercise and I'm going to have my people do that now. The other one that I like to suggest people do is um, look at the five love languages. Do you know that book? I do. I yes. Right and decide. So I don't. I'm not going to get them all right right now. But it's um, it's service mm-hmm. is one of them. Touch. Yep. Time. Um. Let's see, service, touch, time, gift. Some people like to give gifts, yeah. right? 
what's the last one? It's like words of affirmation. Words of affirmations, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And most of us tend to have one or two ways of giving love yeah. to other people. And it's interesting that we may not want the same things back. In return, yeah. Interesting. In return. Yeah. So a good exercise would be deciding or, or acknowledging how you want to be loved. Like what is the love language that you want from other people? Yeah. And are you giving that to yourself? To yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. And it could be totally different, yeah. right? Yeah. The way you give and the way wow. you want to receive. I've never really thought about the five love languages like that. And like, I knew words of affirmation because that's one of them for me. Mm -hmm. Like, like words of, you know, validation and like, that's yeah. a big one for me. And now that you're saying it that way, I'm like, oh, okay. Another to, reminder to talk nicely to myself. <laughs> is that how you give or how you receive? How I receive, but I don't really mm. give that to myself. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And that's a hard one for most people. Yeah. Even if they like receiving it, it, we're not taught how to talk to ourselves. Yeah. If anything, we're taught how to talk to ourselves badly or not even talk how to yell at ourselves right so so that's i think what do you think that difference is between the like what you want what you want to and feel called to give versus receive do you know what i'm asking like what why is that different some of it i'm sure is learned how you were given love must be how you expect to get love. Hmm. For instance, for me, I had a really loving grandmother who loved to hug me, loved to feed me, said really wonderful things about me. My parents didn't really do those things, mm -hmm. but she did. And I spent more of my time when I was little with her. So that's how I give. It because it felt that's, so good for you, you want to yep. give that to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily need those things for me. Yeah. Huh. Right. So what, what I need and like is almost like what I didn't get from my parents. Mm -hmm. So I really value time. Hmm. And I don't know it, it really until I don't get it. Right. So like my husband mm. or my kids um, or when my parents are actually present in my life, that's when I feel I, they don't need to say a thing or give me a hug or do anything. Just them being in my presence feels like love. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. What about you? Well, time is probably the last one on my list. Mm. But I was thinking I love to give gifts like mm. so much. Like I, like nothing makes me happier than giving gifts, but I don't love to receive gifts. Mm -hmm. How crazy is that? I don't, it's not that I like dislike it, but it's not, doesn't feed me the way it feeds me to give them. What do you feel when you give gifts? It's 
just like, it's probably deeper than joy is like the like immediate mm. gigantic answer is joy. But yeah. it's probably like deeper than that. I could probably nuance that down to a more specific feeling, but it's like such joy. What joy just delight. A, it's like delight. such delight to give someone a gift. And when you <laughs> receive a gift, what do you get? What's the feeling? Hmm. When I receive a gift, I think it's worthiness that comes into play. Like, like when I receive a gift, almost immediately, I'm like, how do I, how am I going to pay it forward? Like, how am I going to validate my own worthiness in receiving this gift by giving another one in return? Interesting. So yeah, there's definitely something there about receiving and worthiness. Like, oh no, so, no, no, I'm not worthy of your gift. <laughs> right. You feel responsible almost yeah. or unworthy. Yeah. Interesting. So we just showed people a little bit of the, the thought model, right? Yeah. There's a gift and yeah. depending on whether you're giving or receiving, you have completely different, different thoughts. thoughts about it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So how can somebody take care of themselves so that they feel like they feel because I think a lot of times talk about worthy I think a lot of people just don't feel like they're worthy of their own care how can they do it so that it it is it, it that they do feel deserved and worthy of whatever you know whatever it is if it's time for themselves or yeah. Um, a massage. Yeah, well, I mean, I, again, I'm going to come back to this exercise because I use it with almost every single client. But mm. even if you took that ripple exercise, you know, I said to you, and okay, you know, Kit, that time is such an important piece of your, ex your receiving of love. Mm. So I might say to you, if you're getting all the time you need, from the people you want it from most what does that look like inside that first circle mm -hmm. like what does it look like and then how does that again you just carry out the same exercise how does it ripple out so then you can see in a visual when i get what i need i'm able to have this effect on the world and the mm -hmm. people that i love so it'd be cool to combine those two exercises yeah. And I do think it's, I mean, it sounds great right now. You know, people are probably super excited to try, you know, write, write it down, actually practicing it, but it takes practicing it. It does. Enough times, right. To go, Oh, this works for me. Yeah. And it takes that retrospect that we talked about mm -hmm. before, which is like, yeah, we kind of half-assed did that, you know, meditation or whatever mm -hmm. the thing is you need to like nourish your soul, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of like, I did eat a healthy lunch, but I like plowed through it in five seconds, right? Like, <laughs> and had a piece and of cake. And then in retrospect, you look back and you're like, yeah, I wasn't really, mm -hmm. you know, I, I did it to check it off the list, but I didn't really, I wasn't really present with whatever that, that thing was. So it's yeah. just so much reflection. Yeah, that's a better word. Just like re constantly reflecting mm -hmm. and looking back. And I had a um, someone who was a guest on the podcast toward the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
you probably see this in your podcast too. And we both noticed how much we've grown and changed since Mm. that episode. Mm. He said, I love to go back and listen to podcasts I've been on, like as a guest Mm. and then reflect on how much I've grown and changed and how, you know, some of my beliefs have even changed, like Mm -hmm. to see that difference. And so, yeah, reflection is so big to living, like such an important part of living an intentional, purposeful life. Agreed. Yeah. Takes, takes, takes pausing to do that though. And, you know, and some people don't even like to hear themselves from the past or. Yeah, for sure looking but uh but if you took pausing and you put it in the center of that bubble Mm -hmm. what happens when I slow down and take a minute to think about my day or my week or my life when I take the pause I need I have a client right now who's like she really does believe that one of the greatest gifts of her abortion was teaching her to slow down and really like pause Mm -hmm. and think things through and think about them like critically and emotionally and just like slowing down right so if you put slowing down in the bubble how does that affect your marriage when you slow down how does that affect your children when you slow down how does that affect your clients when you slow down (laughs) then you're like okay yeah self-nourishment is not selfish (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, speaking of slow down, I think, I think the universe is asking the whole human race to do that mm-hmm. right now, right? Totally. So the bubble of human race, like, let's pause and everybody literally stay home <laughs> and right. reflect on what you need and how, how much you already have. I think we are so focusing right now Mm -hmm. on what we don't have and uh, being super anxious about what's not certain and what the kids can do and what we can't, you know, lots of, lots of um, frustration, which I understand because we all want to know what's going to happen. But this is, this is a lesson of pausing and patience and reflecting and pre-prioritizing yeah, and I think we're stepping into the greatest test of that even now, like in the school year, right? Because like mm-hmm. things are starting to return to routines and mm-hmm. like we are seeing more people and we are like, things are starting to come back. So it's like, which, what did you learn that you're going to take with you into mm-hmm. the return to like non-pandemic life? Not to say by any means that we're over it and through it and going to move past it anytime soon, (laughs) but we are like, even if you just take the school year, right? Like we're stepping into a new state of busyness, Mm -hmm. even just having kids who have certain assignments that have to get done and they have to be in class at a certain time. And that's the same time you have to be on recording the podcast. Like, Mm -hmm. can I take that slowing down with me, even as things are speeding back up so as we wrap up here i want to know just we one have to wrap up we, the chat has to end at some point <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i know oh, look it's at the time so much okay. fun so yeah um, how do we wrap up no i want to know what's one thing that you are 
how has this pandemic been good for you? Oh my gosh, I've had so much good. I just, I want one, just one. Okay, one. Um, I'm gonna say one big takeaway for me was letting go. Really taught me to like let go of expectations and assumptions and just let things evolve mm-hmm. in the way that they were evolving, right? To so, like, not fighting reality, I guess, is the letting go. Accepting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For me, what about you? Well, I, it's funny, we're coming full circle. For me, it's space. Mm. And space in terms of time. For a while there, it really felt like we were given time. We were given time to be with our family, with the teenagers that we normally wouldn't have with them, right? And time to literally be still some of those days. Mm. So that's part of space and space to reprioritize what what I want to do, what's important, who I want to talk to. Did a lot of reconnecting. Yeah. The yeah. first the first phase of the pandemic, talking to high school friends and, you know, childhood friends and friends from all over that I normally wouldn't reach out to. Yeah. And it was just a nice nice excuse with the space and time that I had to do that. And just reprioritizing who, like how I want to spend my time, my day, how I want to work with people, who I want to work with. Just like a reshuffling because yeah. I felt like I had the time and the space, right? Yeah. And the funny thing is we can always create that and you can always let go. Well, that's, like, yeah, we, I was thinking the this. same thing. It's like you were given the time that you already had, right? And the same with me, like, yeah, like you said, I could have, I could have let go anytime. Anytime. It didn't need to happen in a pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully all of us get to take a moment and actually appreciate what we have, what we have been given um, yeah. during this time and moving forward. So, so fun to chat. Yeah, really fun. Yeah. Good times. Good times. We'll, we have we'll, a whole podcast coach chats right (laughs) (laughs) just Um, random thoughts that come to mind random coach chats so i will link to you in my podcast likewise Um, but if anyone's listening and wants to go find you what's the best place to go find you just go to my website website and that's the same with you yeah yeah i don't know i feel like i do websites good Instagram is kind mm-hmm. of my happy place for coaching. Yeah, I'm um, on there too. Also, website you. too. Yeah, we're all over. Yeah, I always say with abortion, it's really easy to find me because you just like you could just Google Amanda abortion. And you probably yeah. there's like not a lot of people talking about abortion, so it's pretty easy to find me. <laughs> well, thank you for doing the work that you do. You truly bring light to this difficult subject for and for a lot of people, a very traumatic time and decision yeah. for them. So I appreciate you. what you do. And um, maybe I'm we'll so have- glad that we met. And actually, I, you know, it's kind of cool that you're on because I really do have you to thank for 
getting the podcast off the ground. Like our, we were at mastermind for our school, the life yep. coach school. Yep. And you, I think you said, I'm starting my podcast. Yeah. And it had been just like, I had ju just been there at that edge. And then I recorded the first episode while we were there. Get out. I recorded my first episode in my hotel room while we were there. And, Love it. and not that I wouldn't have done that, but I know that you saying, I'm just doing it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just do it too. <laughs> I'm gonna... Awesome. I'm going to do this with Kit. And I'm so, so yeah, glad. So I love that you're on. It's perfect. Isn't it one of the best things ever? <laughs> so good. Uh, podcasting is my happy place. Yeah. 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 It's, I, it's, I love it. It's a fun thing. And hopefully people get a lot out of the people we bring on and what we talk about. Because I know there's lots and lots of podcasts out there. So um, there are many, many wonderful voices and wisdom, but hopefully we add a little something yeah, to the Yeah, everybody to the finds pool. what they need to find in the great sea of podcasts. That's right. <laughs> the sea of podcasts. All right, Amanda, I will okay. see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.